You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. All right, if you could turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We actually were in Philippians a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be back there today. What a great morning so far to just be together, to worship God. And um, if you are, as, as Nikki said earlier, if you're new with us here, we're just so thankful that you're here today, glad that you're a part, hope you feel welcomed and at home. And uh, it's funny, you know, as we're making these announcements about Easter and we were, we were talking about it earlier, like someone came up to one of us the other day, it was like, is the church doing anything for Easter? <laughs> you know, for us who like, you know, we announce it week after week and we talk about these things, we just realize sometimes we don't always do the best job maybe of communicating those things to you. So we are doing stuff for Easter. It's going to be an amazing day and we really, really, really want you to participate, even if it's just to come out and worship with us and have breakfast and, and have fun afterwards with egg hunts and uh, the, the activities that we have planned. But if you are desiring to serve, we would love for you to participate in that. We just know that that serving brings life to us, and uh, God has given us purpose and mission to, to, to give of the gifts he's given us to serve others, and uh, so you can just text that NCC serve to 94,000, um, or you could just show up that day and just participate in what's going on, but we really, really, really want you to invite someone, invite friends, invite people that maybe just have no understanding of who God is or anything about that. We, we, we long for that. We want to see um, our seats full of those who just uh, maybe have never heard about Christ yet, uh, so that we can, that we just believe we have good news to share. So uh, invite people, be excited, be bold. Um, we are going to have a great week next week. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we are going to be verses 4 through 9. Would you stand with me as I read, as I read the word today? Philippians 4, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles around you or everywhere on your devices, internet or your apps, and we also have them on the screen, so you can follow along as I read. Verse 4 in chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, we give this word back to you and say, would you use it to, to revolutionize our lives, change us, strengthen us, make us new, show us where we are, where, 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 where we are missing it, where we're relying on the wrong things to give us life and show us who you are and our great need for you. We love you, God, and we need you for all these things and more. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. 
I came across, uh, came across this article the other day. I'm always on the look for interesting articles, interesting news. Um, and living in Florida, we get a lot of that. Um, even on national news, you know, the, the joke like, Florida man does, you know, whatever, something stupid. And it's usually Florida man. Um, it's, very, it's very rarely Florida woman does this. It's Florida man. Well, this is not about a Florida man. This is about a Florida pest. And this was the title of the article. It said, Toilet Invading Iguanas Among Invasive Species Now Banned in Florida. Say it again. Toilet Invading Iguanas Among Invasive Species Now Banned in Florida. It doesn't roll off the tongue, but those initial three words, Toilet Invading Iguanas, kind of stir something up. And at least it caught my eye. I was like, what? Toilet invading, as if there weren't enough things to worry about in our life these days. The whole idea of the article is that people have been keeping pets of these exotic creatures, including things like iguanas. And then when they don't want them anymore, they just like let them go, right? And so we now, if you've lived here for any period of time, you know, I mean, just yesterday I was at a friend's house, I was at one, one, uh, one of our elders' house, Ray, and we were sitting in the back and like across the canal, I heard this like rustling. It was far away. I heard this rustling and I was like, what is that? And sure enough, a Tyrannosaurus Rex like comes out from that bush. <laughs> I mean, and I'm used to seeing iguanas and I was like, right, look at that, guys. He was huge. And I was like, oh my gosh, man. I said, hey, and we're actually using iguanas as an illustration tomorrow. So what, what, what's happening is they just, they tear things up, right? They, they, they mess up the seawalls. They tear up sidewalks. They carry, you know, salmonella. They hang out on roofs, dig under the houses. And then to some have like seen because they get into the sewers and some owners, homeowners have like opened the toilet and seen an iguana thrashing around inside the toilet bowl. And so they're looking to make legislation to figure out like how to deal with some of these things. Isn't Florida great? It's always something to worry about, isn't there? We got any worriers here? Not warriors, but worriers. I'm a worrier. I can worry about all kinds of things, man. Like, not, I don't really care about toilet invading iguanas. Whatever. That's the least of my problems. No, I worry. I worry about my family. I worry about my kids. I worry about my church. I worry about health. I worry about all, all kinds of things. And I, I do. I can feel myself so often just getting bound up in, in worry and fear. We, we want peace, don't we? We want peace. We don't want to have to deal with these things. We don't have to worry about these things. We, we want peace, and, and the reality is that it's really hard to find. Peace is hard to find, and we, we try hard, though. We try to get it, though. I, I mean, we, we, we have all kinds of ways to to get that sense of peace, of calm, of comfort. We go to all sorts of places, and we think at times that something's going to give us peace, and we, we, we hope that it's going to bring peace. We hope it's going to help us. And it could be institutions. It could be politics. It could be substances like alcohol and drugs. It could be just the feeling of success and significance. 
Sometimes just to get peace, it could be as simple as just crawling under the covers, right? And like covering up the head and just tuning out the world. Just trying to run away and escape. And I think the reality is, though, that we, we don't really know what we're looking for. We don't, we don't know peace as we think we do. We, we think it's simple and small, like everybody just shut up and that's peace. That's a, that's a sliver of peace, isn't it? It's just small. We oversimplify it. Even, even in things like we want world peace, we think it just means, all right, everybody just stop fighting. Or if we pass enough laws, or if we, if we, if we get rid of enough big bombs and do, like, we're going to have peace. We just know that, that that's not it, man. You take away the bombs, there's guns. You take away the guns, there's, there's knives. You take away the knives, there's fists. You take away the fists, there's just the mouth. I mean, we are a people who constantly war and fight. So it's not just about disarming each other. And for even in our own personal lives, like for family, family peace, you know, for some of us, it's like, look, I just want peace. And that means, children, you behave, don't yell at each other, don't ever say any, an unkind word, and then our family's going to be okay. Or in my relationships, or at work, all of that, we, we, we reduce it down to these small behavioral things that don't do it. Don't. It puts on the illusion of peace. And so everybody can look at my family like, oh, look at those great kids. They never fight. They never argue. <laughs> we know it goes a lot deeper. The heart needs to be changed. The heart has, something has to happen inside for real peace to come to our lives. And, and we, we realize there's so much more than just the superficial surface level Things that we try to accomplish in order to get peace. A few minutes of quiet isn't going to do it. Real peace is bigger. It's better. We want a life that is settled. We want a life that, that doesn't get thrown off when things don't go our way. We're talking about promises over these few weeks leading up to Easter. Next week, we have our Good Friday service. We're going to talk about the promise of cleansing and the promise of, of that kind of wholeness and healing that God brings. And then Easter Sunday, the ultimate promise of hope, of the resurrection. Like, that's, that's the culmination of all the promises. And so this has all been leading us somewhere. And one of the amazing promises that God offers us is the promise of peace, real peace, not just a quiet life. That's not peace. It's nice at times. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the measure of peace for us, we are missing it, man. We're selling it so short. You heard in the video, like, we, we, we make this statement sometimes. We, we ask God for things, and we think they're so big when really they're so small. <laughs> when we ask God, like, oh, would you just please, you know, let my life be quieter? Is that so much to ask? And he's like, not really, but there's a whole lot more I want to do for you. Peace is something so much bigger. So much better. And he promises it to us. And we're going to look at that for a minute today to just say, okay, what is peace? What isn't peace? 
What do we do to get more of it? And again, as in every message throughout this series, there's a lot of places that we could go to talk about peace and where that word is used. And we could look at the Old Testament where, where Gideon talks about the Lord is peace. I mean, he, and we, we can look at Isaiah the, the, talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace and all throughout the New Testament. And we're going to look at a few scriptures, but I thought this passage is so helpful for us because here's what he does to help us really understand what peace is he he puts it side by side with the opposite of peace with something that we all can understand we all wrestle with we may not know what peace is but we know what anxiety is I think it's fair to say, right? I don't want to speak for you. We all deal with it, with worry, anxiety, fear. I mean, anxiety disorders. So we're talking about, you know, clinically diagnosed and, and the kind of the, the farther end of the spectrum in, in terms of how severe anxiety is for us. And, there, and there's, this is a reality for a lot of us. But in our country, 40 million adults, 18 and older, that's almost 20% of the population. Like a fifth of us battle real, severe anxiety. And that's nothing to, to hold our heads down in shame about. That's, that's not it at all. Like, this is real. This is a reality. And I think in the past, it's, it's been so covered up and seen as weakness and shameful and, oh, oh just, you know, be tougher or get over it. Don't be so sensitive. That's, that's not the answer. See, that's the wrong piece. That's the, that's the shallow mindset that says, if things were just quieter, that would be peaceful. No, no, no. Anxiety is real. The Bible talks about it. And it's not seen as some shameful disposition. It's seen as something that we need to deal with and talk about. And even though one out of five of us, maybe you're dealing with something severe like that as an as a anxiety disorder, but I would, I would bet five out of five of us deal with anxiety on some wavering level from mild to severe. And so Paul, Paul who writes this letter, he puts these side by side to help us really understand what he's talking about, that, that, that peace and anxiety are are very real, very achievable, right? It's easy to actually have anxiety. It doesn't take a lot of effort to get anxiety, but it does take some effort to, to think about peace and to really understand what peace is. See, anxiety is our, our response to stress, <laughs> and that comes freely, right? No one's charging you to stress you out. They, they are giving it to you. The world is giving it to you. Your own heart's giving it to you. Stress is readily available at all times, and how we deal with it will say a lot about what we believe, about where our priorities are, where our heads at, where our hearts at. See, anxiety is, is fear about being out of control, right? Uh, uh, not knowing what's coming next, right? There's that like first day of school, you go in, you don't know what's happening, you know, you're all stressed out, you're sweaty, like your legs are weak, you got stomach pain, <laughs> or first day at a job. I mean, we, we get that. And so Paul, 
who's writing from prison, he's in jail for preaching the gospel. He makes this huge, sweeping statement. Don't be anxious about, say it, anything. Now, how do you feel when he says that? <laughs> I get anxious. <laughs> I'm like, because um, I'm, I'm anxious about everything. So, like, wh- how, how do I deal with this statement, don't be anxious about anything, when we're sitting here being like, Paul, I'm anxious about everything. Right? We start to get worked up, like, don't be anxious. Like, don't tell me don't be anxious. Like, you don't be anxious. Like, I, I got things that are going on in my life, and this is, <laughs> this is the challenge for us, to hear the, the, the help of Scripture, the direction of Scripture, and to balance it in. The reason why he's saying don't be anxious about anything is because we are. We're all anxious about everything, and he wants to, to help steer our direction, to steer our gaze to a different direction, to change our focus, to change how we see the world so that we can look at these words and be like, okay, I am still wrestling with anxiety, but I hear what God is saying, and I am going to I'm going to fight. See, why does Paul tell us not to be anxious? Why does he care? Why is, he, why is this even a thing? Because anxiety, fear, they reveal something about our belief system. They reveal our views of God. And it usually reveals an unhealthy belief about God, right? I mean, at the root of anxiety, and I'm just saying in general, right? Fear, anxiety, worry. At the root of that, at its foundational level, is an unbelief in God to some degree. And maybe a better way to say it is this. It's a, it's a disordered belief. It's a disordered belief. It's, yeah, it's, it's unbelief in God, but also it is an overbelief that you can control the world around you. And when we start to think we can control the universe and it's not going according to how we wanted it to go, we get anxious Like, man, I thought I could stop this virus. I thought I could stop this sickness. I thought I could stop this job loss. I thought I could, if I had only done more. And it's these what ifs and these unmet expectations where we start to go, man, I I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I got to figure this out. And God wants to challenge some of that because that's me. And I think a lot of us fall into this category. It's not so much that we don't believe in God, it's that we believe in ourselves too much. And I know if someone asked you, hey, do you believe in yourself as a God of this great world? You'd be like, no. But functionally, we live it. We do. Because we get so bound up in fear and worry and anxiety. And we live and work so hard to save ourselves, to be the savior of our own life, of our own family, of this world, and and we become gripped with fear because we don't know what's coming next and we realize how bad of a savior we really are. 
See, when we start to put our hope and our trust in, in, in being the Savior, we are going to be gripped with fear and anxiety and worry. And so when things don't go our way, whether it's at a governmental level, at a job level, at a family level, at a global level, we just don't know what's going to happen. I don't think God knows what just happened here. And so I, I, better, I better tell the world one tweet at a time. nothing wrong with sharing your opinions on social media or in any place. But there is something wrong when we are seeing, when it's a product or a fruit of our own insecurities, our own fears, our own worries, and we feel like we have to help God out in some ways. That will rob us of peace. It will push peace further and further and further away from us. And so this then brings us to the real question is like, well, well what's peace? What is it? it? It's a lot of things that we could, we could maybe put it into, you know, a, a few different definitions. But I would just say this. Peace is being settled in God. It's being settled in who God is. It's a confidence in God's control over your life and over the entire world. And it's hard for us to comprehend God being able to handle all of that, which is why we take up our fights. Because there's no way God can handle all this stuff at once. And that's just not true. That's not the message of the scripture. See, we want this. We want peace. That no matter what's going on, we have this steady confidence that God is in charge and he's working on our behalf and, and we think because something happens to us that doesn't make sense or that's painful that, that now we've stepped out of that working on my behalf and, and we're, we're in trouble. God's not doing what he said he was going to do. And so I better figure this out until he's back, you know, paying attention to my life. And we are just pushed further and further away from peace. Into despair. And we're anxious. We're worried. We're fearful. This is what we want. We want to know that no matter what's going on, I'm going to be okay. That things are going to be all right. And so it just pushes us then on this endless world tour, this search for peace. And people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on books and on gurus and on coaches and on drugs, on... just to find something that disguises itself as peace when it's really not. And God says, I've promised peace to you. I've promised to give it to you. And this peace that I promise you is different. It's bigger. It's better than our minds can handle. That's why he says in the, in the scripture, this is, this is peace that surpasses understanding. See, our understanding of peace is that everything goes according to my 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 time clock, my plan, my purpose, and when it veers from that, okay, now this is leaving my realm of understanding, and so therefore I don't have peace anymore. When it's the complete opposite, God says, actually, it's going to challenge your very idea of understanding the way I work in your life. 
And peace transcends. It goes above and beyond what you think is normal and right. And people all the time are like making decisions like, well, I just don't have a peace about that. Or, oh, I have such a peace about this. When all it's meaning is like, I had my coffee this morning and I feel good today. And so this decision really makes sense. Or, I had had this terrible fight with my wife this morning and you're fired. You know, and I have a peace about that because... This is, we place so much emphasis on, on, we get this twisted. Listen, we're going to talk about how you'll know in a little bit about what should bring peace or not bring peace, but it's not just this feeling inside that we sometimes as Christians, we like to cloud our bad decisions in this. I just, just have this peace. Can't explain it. Surpasses understanding. Look, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. Just saying it can't be the only thing that, that, that leads you to do what this or that. God has got something more for you, something that surpasses understanding, that is big, that is amazing. You see, the, the biggest thing that surpasses understanding, we read in Isaiah 53.5. This surpasses understanding. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, say it, we are healed. That doesn't make sense. We should read that and go, I don't have a piece about that. Someone else sacrificing everything for me? When I hated God, he ran towards me. When I, when I wanted nothing to do with him, he chased after me to the point of being crucified on a cross for my sin so that what? I could have peace. That's peace. Just saying, the, the foundation of peace, of everything else that we, we want to disguise as peace, the real peace, the one peace that we know for sure that exists is that I am made right with my creator. He brings peace to us. We have been separated from God because of the sin in our lives. The, the relationship with our creator was broken, and he came on a rescue mission to restore that relationship and make peace where there was once hostility, where we were toe-to-toe with the God of the universe, fists up, And he says, no, I'm not going to crush you. I'm going to crush my son. That's the promise. That's the ultimate promise of peace. And he doesn't break his promises. He doesn't break what he says he will do. Like, that that is a guarantee. And that's why in this series we've been saying this phrase, never a broken promise And that's why we're slapping it on mugs and t-shirts and all this, because we need that remembering. We need to remember these truths that God doesn't break his promises. And when when he says that, there's a peace that is beyond understanding. It starts there. What we will celebrate or remember this coming Friday And the fulfillment of that on Sunday when he rose from the grave to to secure that peace. You You have peace. Peace is there before you. The promise of peace is there for you because 
he gave up his peace. That is our great hope. That's what we celebrate today. As Nikki said earlier on Palm Sunday, this, this march into Jerusalem, Jesus on a, on a donkey, they're throwing palm branches down, they're celebrating him. Listen, it's just a few days later, those same people who were celebrating him were saying, put him on the cross. They saw it, but they didn't understand. They thought he was the peace, the, the answer for peace, but he wasn't doing it the way that they thought. And that's just all of our story. We think peace comes here, and really it's so much bigger, so much different. And God says, no, listen, peace comes in my son. But it wasn't him marching into the, to the city with guns blazing. It was him marching in to the city, headed for the cross. A crucified Messiah was a failed Messiah in their eyes. And he said, no, I'm going to give you a peace that passes understanding. It won't make sense to you. And only when we have that peace, that initial peace between us and our God, can we really experience peace in the craziness of this life. There is nothing else, right? It comes to us and then we're promised that he lives in us and then that peace goes from us where then we're called to be peacemakers, peace bringers. Are we living in that? We want to argue about everything it's to the point where we can't even disagree anymore without hitting the delete button on someone. We have to learn to get out of that. There is no peace in that. That's the, that's the superficial one. Cancel. You're out of my life. Peace comes. It's not. Some, some people need to. Some people need to go. But let's just face it, man. We're, we, we're, doing, it, we're doing it too much. And honestly, I'm going to tell you this. The Christian church has been one of the in a lot of ways, we, we created cancel culture because there's just been a lot, of, a lot of us over the years, myself included, who didn't want to go through the hard work of dealing with people who disagreed, didn't want to go through the work of seeing the lost as, as truly that, of being lost. I mean, God talks about our condition. Our condition apart from him is that we're blind. Man, imagine yelling at a blind person, like, why don't you see? And kick them. Does that help? Like, can you see now? Like, we, we've just, we are, we have lost the gospel message where Christ runs to the cross for people who were blind, who hated him, who were so dead set against him, and he's sitting up on the cross saying, Father, would you forgive them, please? We want it. We're on our cross, whatever that is, and we're just like, God, would you burn them up? We need help. God gives us help. Look, if anxiety is the fear of being out of control, peace is trusting God to control what's out of control. And we need to go to him and run to him because what, what does peace give to us? 
It gives, us, it gives us everything that we want. It gives us protection, right? He says the peace of God which surpasses understanding will do what? It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's all we want, man. I want a guarded heart and mind. Like, punch me in the face. I, I, I don't care. It doesn't say it will guard your physical body. It just says I'm going to guard your heart and your mind. Like, we would rather take a punch to the face than for you to say an evil word against us that crushes our spirit. So I need that protective barrier around my heart and my mind because I'm fragile. And understand that other people are fragile. You think maybe the words you say or the messages you type aren't impacting someone else who maybe disagrees We like to exercise our freedoms. Like, well, it's free speech. I can say whatever I want. Yeah, you can. You can also wipe out a whole civilization with those words. We have to, we have, to have a framework of where God leads us to, to what does peace look like? What does being a peacemaker look like? All it can take sometimes is one word to just snatch our peace away. And so as the ones who, who are feeling like our, our peace is being robbed from us because of those words, we have to have a right framework about what peace is and who God is to really gird up our understanding of God and faith and believe that he is our real savior. And so that no matter what you say to me, I am strong because of God who's in me. That's what guards our hearts and our minds. Just this week, I was, I was dealing with just something someone was saying or I heard was being said um, about me that I, I really believe was not true and just misrepresenting. And I just felt, man, like everything just being robbed from me and just going like, oh, man, I hate being misrepresented. I hate that I can't go and and make this right or justify myself and and like the peace is just being ripped from me and you know by God's grace it's like hey you're preaching on peace this weekend and I was you know I'm in this study I'm thinking through these scriptures and going like the Lord just asking me Adam where's your peace where are you looking to find peace see that's that's the peace that passes understanding when we can't go and deal with it, we can't make it right, we can't correct, and we just say, God, you're bigger than this. I trust you. I love you. I need you. Wipe out my enemies. No, I'm just kidding. Like, don't, don't, don't do that. Like, God, I remember that one scripture about fire coming down and, like, snatching them out. No. That won't bring the peace you think it'll bring. It won't. Look, if God truly becomes our peace and he's guarding our hearts and our minds, then we won't be torn apart when other people say bad things about us. We won't be crushed when we fail. 
We won't be so worried when the odds are against us. We won't have to be the victim. We won't have to defend ourselves when others lie about us. We won't find our worth and our significance and our value in what other people think because what he thinks is most important and what he says about me is most important. And I have him and he is strong in me. And that no matter what man or woman might say to me, God has told me who I am and I am secure in that. And that's peace. That's comfort. That is security. And look, I, it's not easy. Every day, this is something we have to pick up. Every day. You're not going to go one day and be like, oh, I have peace now. Whew. Did it. Nope. It's a prayer every day. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up as we start to close this out. This is a fight every day. This is a bare knuckle, full contact all-out war every day for peace, the fight for peace. And these three things I want you to think about as we put some application here. How are you going to get more peace? How are you going to fight for peace more and more every single day? Three things for you to think about. Fill, focus, and forge. Fill, focus, and forge. What do I mean? Look, you have to fill yourself with the good things, okay? You have to fill yourself with the truth. You have to be in the things that are going to fill you up with the right fuel so that you can fight this fight every single day for peace. We want peace. We're just going to assume it for all of us. We want peace. If you don't want peace, we're going to pray for you, okay? You want peace. Fill yourself with truth. Look, peace isn't just the absence of fear. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's not just the removal of something. It is that, but it's also the filling of other things. We can't just remove all of that other stuff and be empty. We need to remove it and we need to put in all the good stuff that is going to give us life and hope and peace. He says it in the scripture that we read today. He says, look, if you want, if you want peace, then think about these things. Think about these things. Look at that list. He says, <laughs> he gives us this nice long list. Think about these things. Whatever is, and he gives us, right? True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Just let that list sit with you this week. Let it be a steering wheel for you as you think about how you're going to engage with people how you're going to talk with others, how you're going to live online with others, how you're going to live with your kids, your wife, your husband, your boss, your coworkers. True. I can't go into all the definitions of each of those. I don't need to. <laughs> these aren't deep theological words, man. This is just like basic children stuff. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Guys, look, there's not much in our world designed to give us peace. Everything given to us from media to, to life situations living around us is all pretty much geared up to give us stress, anxiety, worry, fear, depression. So we, this is absolutely a fight every day, all day. We have to fight against the things that are going to bring us down that are going to cause anxiety, that are going to cause stress. So the question is, what are you filling yourself with? And don't think, 
you're the best person to always answer that question. Ask someone else. <laughs> someone else is going to see it better. Ask your husband or your wife or your kids or your friends. Say like, hey, what do you think I fill myself mostly with? And they're going to be like, I'm not even going to say one of the things to, so I don't have to offend. <laughs> think about what you're filling yourself with. Get active in the fight because it's too important. Give yourself an, eval an honest evaluation of the things that you are, are soaking in every single day. And maybe, maybe it's time to cut some things out for a while. Maybe it's time to pull the plug a little bit to just see how it works, to see what it does for you. You know, if you ever want to figure out if, if a food is hurting you, here's what you do. You cut out all the stuff that you know is, is not good, and then you slowly add it back in because when you slowly add it back in, it starts to affect you, and you go, oh, right, so I can't eat sugar without feeling terrible. It's the same thing with all these other content-driven things that we deal with. I think some of us need to cut some things out that aren't true, honorable, just, pure, lovely. So fill yourself with the right things. Second is focus. Focus your attention in the right places. He says, I want you to think on these things, to bring our thoughts into focus, to aim our attention in a direction that's going to give us life. See, we're going to focus our minds on the bigness of God, the goodness of God, the character of God who he is, and it will change our lives, right? Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Well, it's sometimes hard being reasonable, right? That word reasonable means to not always insist on your way, not always insist to be gentle, to be patient. That's peace, and it's the path to peace. And this is what he says. He says, look, don't get so caught up in the what-ifs or the, the missed expectations, the missed opportunities, because that kind of focus is going to rob you of peace. It's going to rob you of joy. This is what he says, these, these amazing words, the Lord is at hand. This is not some scary, like, judgment day, like, the Lord is at hand, he's coming, and he will. No, no, no. This means God is near you right now. He's with you. He is, he is close by and that's the peace that passes understanding. Do you understand? He is at hand. And maybe you feel right now that God is far away. He wants you to know he is close. He is active. He's working on your behalf. He wants relationship with you. He wants to, to have that loving father-child relationship with you. Run to him. The Lord is at hand. Focus your mind, your heart, your direction, your intentions on him and run to him. And one of the, the, the best ways that we do that is to just pray. Right? He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, do what? Pray. 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 And you're like, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. You just close your eyes. You, you think about God and you start communicating to him your heart. He says, pray. Pray to me. Come to me. I want relationship with, with you and my peace will be with you. Some of us haven't prayed in a while because we think God's either too busy or doesn't care. Or we think he can't do it. God's calling us now. Come back to me. Talk to me. Pray to me. And forge ahead. That's the third one, to forge. It's not easy. None of this is easy. 
realizing that life is hard is something we all have to just understand. And, and, and Paul says, practice these things, right? That doesn't mean it's the absence of trouble. It means, no, we're actually going to be forging through troubled waters. It will be difficult. Jesus said, I've said, things to you, I've said these things to you, that in, this, that in this life you may have peace, that in me you may have peace. He says, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. <laughs> Honestly, the promises of God, one of them is that you will experience trouble in this life. It doesn't make for great advertisement the promise of suffering but it's real but it's there for a purpose and it's there to draw us closer to him because he says like in, in me I want you to have peace in the world there's going to be trouble I bring you peace but don't worry I've actually overcome the world and that's what we're celebrating this next week he has overcome and that is where our hope and everything lies and so guys let's stand together we have this opportunity let's stand right now we have an opportunity to come to Christ and say, God, would you help me? Would you save me? Would you bring me out of this pit of despair? I, I've lost sight of you, God. I need you. Even though life has been hard, I'm running from you, and, and you're calling me back. And so, God, would you, would you help me? Would you save me? Would you remove this anxiety from me? Would you move, remove this fear? Would you speak to my heart and bring peace and God is faithful to answer that prayer and if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior if you've never trusted in him for the forgiveness of your sins today is the day for you to say God save me I need you we all need to say that prayer whether we've been a Christian for a long time or this is day one because every single day we need that life-giving water that Jesus can bring and only he can give. So let's pray, God, help us, help us to live in this. You are good. You have been faithful for so much of our lives and we tend to focus on the, the moments where we feel off and, and distant from you, God. You're calling us back to you right now to, 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 to be with you, to have relationship with you. And you say, my peace I give to you. My peace is yours. Just trust me with it. And so God, as a church, as a people, we say we trust you. Help our unbelief and give us new life in you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's, let's sing this closing song.